Welcome to my existential life crisis. This is a podcast about how pop culture helps me deal. I'm your host, Russell Heiss. And I'm your other host, Chastity Heiss. Yeah, so uh, I've, I've made a bunch of notes recently, and we've been getting a lot of good feedback from friends and listeners. Yes. And when I say a lot, I mean one person give <laughs> me some good feedback more than one well one for me okay okay we've we've gotten a little bit yeah, uh, yeah so uh, audio quality we're working on forgive me um i've got this fancy dancy mixer and uh we got some nice microphones um and and so uh trying to uh, make them all work because i am not <coughs> i'm not an uh, a studio recording guy. <laughs> this is new territory. Very new territory. So, you know, the the past few weeks have been kind of crazy. Yes. Um, I, we mentioned it previously, but it seems like this month just really wants to be a challenging month this, for us. Yeah, this month kind of wants to be a dick. <coughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it's me. No, I don't think it's you. I think it is just life right now. You know, yeah. it ebbs and flows. It, it comes and goes. It's, mm-hmm. it's just where we are right now. I'm waiting for the flow or ebb. <laughs> okay. Wh- whichever yeah. is better right, right. than the other. <laughs> like, looking forward to that. Yes, yes. Um, so, I don't draw a lot of attention to this, but this is my birthday month. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I draw lots of attention to it. Yeah. I love birthdays. And I don't know. My birthdays have always been weird. Well, you say they were always weird, but they haven't been weird since we've been together. Because, again, I love birthdays, so I make them not weird and fun and enjoyable. So I think you got to let go of that my birthday's always weird thing because it's not I guess <laughs> anymore. I guess it hasn't always no. been weird. It's just been weird a few times enough for me to be like, yeah. Well, and also you don't like to be the center of attention. Um, and no, I don't. You don't really want a fuss made over you. So that works out just fine because um, I do. So... <laughs> And the past few birthdays hasn't been made a fuss over no. me. And so I was like, you know what? I like it when you make a yeah, fuss over exactly, me. Exactly. <laughs> so don't you worry. It's fun. You've already started getting gifts. I have. You've I have. gotten mm-hmm. several I gifts. I got, I got this globe bar cart, which That's is really kind of cool. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, thank you. I love it. And, and I love the attention. It's yes. fun. Good. Um, I'm going to have to reposition myself in how I'm sitting because it's getting a little uncomfortable. Okay. Um, so this, uh, this I've been getting acupuncture for anxiety and stress. Yes. Uh, it's been one of the best things that I've gotten yes, lately. Yes, thank you, Biff. Yeah. It's uh, hugely helpful. Uh, shout out to Biff. with uh, You can find her on Instagram at morewellbeing. Uh, she's fantastic. She it's is absolutely fantastic. It's like a little therapy session, mm-hmm. and then she pokes you with needles to help <laughs> you deal with the shit but you're dealing with. She don't even mind the needles because she's really <laughs> helping you so much. Yeah. So yeah. it Biff is fantastic and um, 
has helped both of us in many capacities uh, related to our health. So, yes, I notice a big change in you yeah. when you're getting your treatments regularly. So, yeah. awesome. Yeah, my office manager a couple weeks ago or last week was like, when are you getting acupuncture? <laughs> I think and you're I'm like, due, buddy. <laughs> it's like, you're vibrating. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's been really helpful. Yes. Um, yeah. It's something that I've always been wildly curious about mm-hmm. and thought it would be way different than it really is. Yeah. It's almost kind of, uh, uh, oh, I'm the, the word or phrase is slipping my mind, but y- you build it up so much in your head about what it is, and then it's like, here it is. Well, it also, that is you know doesn't help the f- the fact that you have a phobia of needles so i felt like you were going to be a little weird about it because there were a bunch of needles being jabbed yeah. into you and you do not like shots and acupuncture is nothing like getting no. a shot but i kind of figured you would have that sort of correlation in your head no okay good i, I didn't because i always thought the needles were very shallow but at like particular points and clearly they're at particular points but they are not very shallow (laughs) Uh, and biff i wish you wouldn't have told me (laughs) how deep some of these go because Uh, oh my goodness but look you just it's worth it it's worth it and i find it terribly relaxing i love having a treatment it's Man, I always feel so much better, and I'm, like, you know, wanting to fall asleep during it. I really like it. Yes. Uh, There's a multitude of different treatments, and so getting it for anxiety and stress has been one of those things that has um, uh, been not the quintessential uh, acupuncture-type treatment that you've expected to get. Right. It's different. It, it really is. I just sit there and I'm like, I cannot wait until this is over. How long <laughs> has she gone for? And I have no idea how long she's gone for, but however long it is, and I don't want to ask. No. Well, you just need to know. You leave it in her hands. Mm-hmm. She's a professional. She's yeah. And I've seen several acupuncturists before, and Biff, without a doubt, is my favorite. And yeah. I'm not just saying that because she's one of my best friends in the entire world. She's really fucking good at what she does. Oh, yeah. So, Absolutely. You know, it's that intuitive nature. You know, she, I mean, she has her doctorate in Chinese medicine, for crying out loud. The woman is very skilled. And um, aside from her skills is her presence and her demeanor and her personality and just how she carries herself. It just, all of it together is, like, exactly what you need. Yeah. And maybe didn't even know that you needed. That's right. Okay. I, I, I like it. So, so yeah, that's kind of what's been going on lately with me. Yes, yes. And, you know, my crazy, uh, my crazy life in, in a way. <laughs> uh, so today's episode, uh, I think we mentioned it earlier. If you were following us on social media, primarily Instagram. Yes. What is... Um, our food experiences from the kitchen to the dining room. Yes, we are going to talk all about food today. One of my most favorite topics in the whole wide world. It was a topic I wasn't aware is one of my most favorite topics <laughs> until <laughs> I met you. Right, yeah. Well, and <clears throat> that is um, very true for 
for both of us, I mean, you know, we have introduced new um, avenues of food and new um, experiences with food to one another, but mm-hmm. um, we come from very different backgrounds when it comes to food. So um, I am very thankful that you are excited about food because food has always been really important to me. And um, in my previous marriage, uh, my first husband was definitely the food is fuel kind of person. And that gets really boring after a while when I'm like, (laughs) I live to eat. I don't eat to live. (laughs) And so then you and I definitely see eye to eye on that. And that's been really fun to like explore new things and try new things and share our food journey together. And it has been a journey as uh, cliche as that sounds. No, I, I hate mean, that. come on. I hate that phrase, but, but <laughs> I don't know another way to say it. Life is a journey. Yeah, and, you know, y- if you're not steering it, it's steering you. Although oh, I, I love. Let's see how many cliches we can come we up can, with in yeah. one episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, do, I love the idea of kind of letting life um, push you in a direction. Not all the time, but sometimes. Well, yeah. You know, because if you're not paying attention, it's going to get you where you got to go sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, you know, we've been, I've been thinking all week about this, and I know that uh, you've been making some notes, mm-hmm. and I have tried to make notes. So, I have been entirely uh, unsuccessful at making any notes. Okay, and this is the first time I've actually been successful <laughs> at making notes, so I think this will work out well. Yeah. And what, so... The title of this podcast, uh, of this episode, is Our Journey from the Kitchen to the Dining Room. And that is because Russell and I both worked in the back of the house at restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, long before we were eating at some of the amazing fine dining joints that we've been able to um, experience together, we both were back of the house Mm -hmm. um, folks. And I've had more experience in restaurants than you have. Um, yes. As far as, like, variety of places. I mean, I've worked y- at... Yes. Oh, what? It's like five, six, seven different restaurants, you know, running the gamut from a barbecue joint in my hometown, you know, with that's just, like, counter service, all the way up to a what was, you know, <laughs> said to be a fine dining restaurant. You know, in my experience, <laughs> I look back and go, yeah, it definitely was not fine dining. But, you know, a nice restaurant where well, you did, sure. like, wine service at the table and, and all of that. It was a little upscale. Well, sure, yes, upscale is a much better mm-hmm. word because I definitely would not call it fine dining. But, you know, and everywhere in between, a barbecue joint, a seafood joint, um, worked at very corporate spinnakers and the mall. Right. Which mall was that? South Park Mall right. in Colonial Heights. Mm-hmm. Um Worked at a fan restaurant, you know. So I've basically encountered every type of customer <laughs> that you could possibly encounter in a restaurant. That's funny. You, you, we do have wildly different mm-hmm. restaurant experiences yes. as far as, like, working at them. Right. So <clears throat> when I when I came out here to sit down and make notes um, – I started going down the list that I had actually reached out to a friend of mine about what I wanted to have a podcast about. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for a podcast about food experiences that have helped shape us. Yes. So n- 
most of my notes are garbage <laughs> at this point for <laughs> this particular episode. That's okay. We play well together. Yeah. It's fine. It, and we'll just but and, that, and that's okay because really like your food, your like kitchen experiences or working in the in the restaurant ex- uh, industry experiences are well way different than mine. Yeah, very different. Russell was like, you know, back of the house, back of the house, cooking, preparing mm-hmm. the food, managing that sort of aspect. And I was not working in the kitchen per se. I was waiting tables. Yeah. Um, and <coughs> yeah, lots of crazy experiences there. But when I first started working in restaurants, my food experience was pretty limited. You know, I grew up in in the South, in the country, very simple meat and potatoes kind of family. Um, we were not very experimental with food. You know, it was basic, delicious, but, you know, really simple Southern cuisine, meat and potatoes. Um, and it wasn't until I was in restaurants working there that I was exposed to so many other types of cuisines and different levels of um, cuisine and learning about food that I never in a million years would have thought I would eat because I was super picky because Mm. I grew up eating really simple food. So sushi, yeah, no, that was not something (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I didn't have sushi for the first time until I was like 27 years old and was like, uh, a little afraid. <laughs> now I'm like, bring it on. You yeah. know? So it was working in restaurants around people who knew so much more about food than me that um, really was exciting and made me want to be adventurous and try new things. Yeah. So my first job was the minute I turned 15 was working at this little um, – uh, Southern, what do they call themselves? Southern Comfort Food Restaurant. Yeah, Southern Comfort Food. Uh, called Tanglewood Ordinary, and they are in Maidens, Virginia. They are still around. If you are down for an experience that is a one-of-a-kind experience and the food is phenomenal, make your way out there. Yeah, this it's is what it. I always thought of as like Sunday dinner. You know, yeah. because that's what dinners were pretty much my family on Sundays. You mm-hmm. know, it's family style. It's fried chicken, roast beef, mashed potatoes, green beans, you know, biscuits, cornbread. And it's family style. So they just keep bringing you food. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's pretty amazing because it is like your grandmother, your southern grandmother has just whipped out her best spread. And it's freaking delicious. It's amazing. And you will hurt yourself. Well, what's really funny is my older sister had gotten a job there. I think she was uh, serving tables or something of the sort. And at that time, they didn't have a liquor license. I think they might have sold beer, uh, had a little bit of wine or something of the sort. But so Darcy uh, got a job there. Mm -hmm. Then uh, my dad got a job in the kitchen. Uh, And then my mom got a job in the kitchen. And then I, the minute I turned 15, got a job in the kitchen. Yes. It was a family affair. It was a family affair. Then uh, a couple of years later, my little sister got a job <laughs> there. And then my little brother, six of us, all six of us worked there. Literally the whole family <laughs> has worked at this place. So 
So that was an interesting experience because I started out washing dishes and the chef that I worked under, I cannot remember her name, but she was a woman and she, she, one of the first things I remember her telling me was, all right, here's your, your sinks. You get your three sinks, your, your wash, your sanitize and rinse or whatever they are. Uh, and she said, if anybody puts a knife in here, you raise hell. You are allowed to raise hell if somebody puts a knife in here. <laughs> and uh, and I remember over the years, maybe I, I worked there like off and on for six years. And I think maybe I, I found a knife in there once or twice. But I was not working uh, washing the dishes forever. Before I left, I think the main, uh, the, 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 the head chef slash kitchen manager had left. And then that was up to me. And I was kind of heading it up. Loved the restaurant, loved the experience, I loved the hustle of it. Mm-hmm. I liked that I tried food. I mean, this is pretty safe food yeah, for most people. Right, right. But I tried food that I wouldn't have ever tried before, like stewed tomatoes. And I know such you don't like stewed tomatoes. No, I don't. When And that's such a southern staple, but I just don't like them, which is also crazy because anyone who knows me knows that tomatoes are one of my top five favorite things to eat in the entire world but i don't like them stewed well once you stew them they don't taste like tomatoes so much anymore i mean they very different and i will only have their stewed tomatoes you don't want to eat them anywhere else i don't want to eat them anywhere else (laughs) i don't really care to eat them anywhere else i've never seen them anywhere else ah well again you didn't grow i mean yes our our experiences with food were very different so so it was a lot of fun. Um, I got to, I made some potato chips once, and those found their way on the menu. Nice. <laughs> nice work. That was fun. Uh, so, you know, we got to experiment around and play around a little bit with the food. We had a little freedom, but for the most part, it was the same recipe. Um, I uh, I think I, I had, like, blueberry cobbler there. For the first time. For the first time. Oh, wow. But I, I had that before. Uh, and it was mostly like fried chicken. Yeah, I mean, again, it's very standard, like, southern food. Or they would have ham hocks, like, hanging in the foyer when you walked yeah, in. Yeah, because it's in the delicious green beans. Oh right. Oh, my gosh, so yeah. good. So we would take the hams and pull them down from the foyer, walk back into the kitchen, un- unwrap them from the fabric sack that they were sitting mm-hmm. in, and scrub the mold off. Yes, and uh, clean them up real good. And for then those of you not familiar with Southern cooking, that is a staple. Like this is mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like my childhood that yeah. you're talking about here. That was the first time I had country ham. Oh, I never gosh. had country ham like that. Or roast beef with au jus. Yes. Like that was the first time I had that too. And whatever crack they put in their gravy, I am telling oh, yeah. you, it is. I don't remember. Insane. So that is a very different experience for me working in restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, I had. The barbecue joint, which was kind of along those lines, pretty similar. Seafood place um, in Colonial Heights, which is still there. Captain Tom's Seafood, one of my favorite places ever. It is just <laughs> fried, mostly fried. They have some other not fried seafood, but it's just good, delicious, like big ass plate of fried <laughs> seafood. And it's so good. And, you know, the people that I worked with there were just tremendous and amazing. And I absolutely loved Brenda and Glenda, um, mother and daughter that I worked with there. Brenda and Glenda? Yes. So Brenda. I just have to bring that up. Yes. Brenda and Tom were the owners of Captain Tom Seafood. Mm-hmm. There's a couple from North Carolina. Although he was not originally from North Carolina, he was 
uh, Arabic, I believe, and I'm sorry if I got that wrong, you guys. He was Middle Eastern, um, and then their daughter, Glenda, was the manager. So family-run business, um, and you know we were super tight. We became so close. I was actually a bridesmaid in Glenda's wedding. Like Ooh. you know, like that's an entirely different podcast. Um, but yeah, so I learned so much there. And then probably the most pivotal restaurant that I worked at was Tobacco Company. Um, if you're familiar with Richmond, you have probably heard of Tobacco Company. It's been around for a million years. It's downtown in Shocker Bottom, um, kind of a an iconic landmark restaurant in Richmond. And when I went to work there, I was a little intimidated because it was definitely the fanciest place I'd ever been in at that point and definitely the fanciest place I'd ever waited tables. Like, I was a little nervous that I wasn't going to be good enough. So you were a server at... At Tobacco Company. But also at Captain, Captain Tom's. Tom's. Yes, yes, definitely. So you've told me mm-hmm. a few funny stories. Oh, my gosh. That Captain place. Tom's. So, um, I'm sorry, we're going to back this up a no, little no, bit. No, no, that's okay. I really that's need right. to hear you okay. share this yes. story. So... About the woman with the bag in her purse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on Fridays, there's all you can eat lunch special fried fish and popcorn shrimp. Mm. So Mm. we would just keep bringing out the fried fish as much as you wanted. Um, And there are some people that could do some serious damage there, I'm telling you. (laughs) But um, there was this little old woman. Who was, she had to have been like in her late 70s, early 80s, who came in all the time. She never actually spoke to any of the servers. She would, other than to place her order. Like she was super um, unusual. I mean, she Mm. just didn't make eye contact. She didn't really talk. And that woman was putting away the food. I'm like, where on earth is this tiny little woman? Like, (laughs) how is she eating so much? Until I realized that she had a plastic bag in her purse and when I would bring her refill, she was just shoving most of it into the bag, into her purse to, like, take home. And I felt really bad because I, I didn't know what her situation was. Like, maybe this was how she ate for the week. I don't know. But sure. I, I tried to ask her about it, and she was so pissed. She just, like, her face, like, tightened all up, and she was really, really, really angry because I had said, Ma'am, if you like, I can bring you a to-go container. <laughs> you can put the food in that instead of putting it in that bag in your purse. And I wasn't really trying to be a smartass, but of course, I'm sure I sounded like, sure. you know, I was a college student. I'm sure I sounded like a total smartass to her. But, yeah, so there was that. There did was she, the. Um, did she not tip you that day? Oh, she never tipped. No, there was oh. no There was no tipping. There's a so, lot of no tipping right. at this place. So, you didn't lose anything. No, I didn't. I didn't. Wow. She still came back, but right. you know. And yeah. but were you still her server? If she was in my section, yeah, mm. sure. Um, How awkward was that the next time around? Not really, because like I said, she didn't really talk. So I was like, oh well, I pissed her off, but it's not like we had you know scintillating conversation before. <laughs> so and you didn't oh get well. a tip anyway. No harm, no foul. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry about your bag in your purse full of fried fish. <laughs> and then there was also the woman who, you know, if you've ever eaten popcorn shrimp, it's called popcorn shrimp because they're tiny little shrimp and you get like, it's, it's served by the weight. It was two, I forget how many ounces. I don't know. Let's say three ounces, four ounces, whatever of popcorn shrimp for her 
order. And there was a woman who asked, how many shrimp came in the popcorn <laughs> shrimp order? And I was like, I don't know how to answer that. I said, I believe it's three ounces. And she's like, no, but how many shrimp are there? Like, ma'am, we don't count the individual <laughs> shrimp. Do you count how many pieces of popcorn are in your popcorn bucket at the movie theater? Because same concept. So, yeah, we got lots of that. We got This is definitely a place where people came because they wanted the most bang for their buck. They want to get their money's worth. Absolutely, they want their fucking money's worth. So when you're yeah. working in a place like that, sometimes you have clientele that that is kind of their MO for life in general, mm -hmm. and that sort of plays out. Um, but I will say that the managers and the owners there, they didn't put up with shit. Like, this was That's not awesome. a place where the customer's always right. Brenda would tell somebody to get the fuck out in a heartbeat. <laughs> in fact, there was one of my... Um, one of the other servers, one of my coworkers there, who was waiting on this table of super gross guys that were just making really disgusting mm. sexual comments to her. And she told them off, and they got all, you know, pissed off at her. And Brenda told them, get the fuck out. Like, pay your <laughs> billing. And she was not going to let them go without paying. Like Absolutely not. And keep in mind, too, Brenda was maybe possibly on a good day four foot nine. Oh, like your mom. Yes. <laughs> tiny little woman, but I would not cross her ever. Like that woman did not fucking play. So, you know, so I learned a lot there. I learned a lot about confidence. I learned mm -hmm. a lot about um, how to deal with lots of different people. So it was really yeah. cool. I loved working there. Loved it. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I loved working in the restaurant industry. I liked all of it. I, I actually uh, bust tables uh, several times uh, when I was working at Tanglewood. That's a hard job, too. That was, um, yeah. I was too young, naive, and aloof to be aware of anything except the fact that I was making money. Oh, okay. And okay. my first paycheck was 80 bucks. Woohoo! And, or was it 120? Either way. Either way. It was, it was the most money I'd ever made in my entire life. And I was... I was ecstatic. I yeah. was like, what am I going to buy? <laughs> of course. Oh, my gosh. That money burned a hole burned in my pocket. Mm. Yeah. So after I left uh, Tanglewood, I had worked a variety of other jobs, which I'm going to have another podcast on. Oh, what that definitely is a mm -hmm. whole podcast about all the jobs that Russell has had. I mean, the kids, it is totally a running <laughs> joke in our family. The kids are like, where haven't you worked and where haven't you lived? Because anytime we travel places, Russell's like, oh, I used to work there. Oh, I used to work there. Oh, I used to live there. Did you know that I lived here with so-and-so? <laughs> and the kids are like <laughs> crying out loud <laughs> everywhere. So, yeah. yes. That'll be a fun, that fun uh, will be episode. That a really fun one. So uh, I managed to find my way in uh, 1999, 2000 at Chick-fil-A. Nice. With a good buddy of mine, Noah. I, I absolutely no. love that you and Noah work together at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> like, it just tickles me to no end. Yeah. That trying to picture you two goofballs oh working gosh. together at Chick-fil-A is just super okay. funny to me. So, Noah and Gary were, like, the two inseparable right. characters. Right. I was the third man. I was the new guy. But uh -huh. I knew Noah and Gary. Right. But they had a chemistry that couldn't be beat. Right. They, it was just giggles all the time. I love it. And um, I can totally picture it. Now, having met Gary, yeah. I can uh, 
Yeah. I can, I can picture that. It was a lot of fun. I got fired uh, from that job. <laughs> Think I got fired? I, uh, transmission in my car died uh, one day. Oh, no, that was a different job. You've gotten fired from several, I'm sure. I can't. I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. I. I think I quit this job. But anyway, we, we'll talk about that once I get the details worked yes. out later. Um. So Those then you were working way. at yes. yeah Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A was kind of weird well, and sure. fun. Yeah. You know, like I think it's only fun because the people you work with. Oh my gosh, that makes or breaks it. After which that is one hundred percent true because then tobacco company. Yeah, tobacco okay. company. All right. Tobacco Company, and shout out to all of the survivors of Tobacco Company. I know some of you are listening. Um, when I worked at Tobacco Company, it was at a very pivotal point in my life, which is, I think, why this restaurant is so significant to me. I got a job at Tobacco Company as I was uh, changing, because I was changing careers. I had left the psychology field. And did not know what I was going to be doing next. So my fallback was waiting tables until I figured it out. So I was changing careers, um, leaving a career that I thought I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. I was in the midst of a divorce <laughs> from my first husband mm. and was moving into a new place with a new roommate that I did not know. Like we literally met through Style Weekly. Really? Yeah. Who was that? Her name was Dana. Um, you never, you never met her. I remember um, you talking about yeah, her. Yeah, she was before Jacqueline. Um, so yeah, so really pivotal point in my life. And um, when you work at Tobacco Company, you know, I will definitely talk shit about that place. But it <laughs> was really formative, and I met some of my closest friends that I'm still friends with to this day. And I learned so, so, so much about food and restaurant industry and myself and just people in general and. Um, when you work at Tobacco Company as a waiter, you start out as a resetter. And when you are a resetter, that means you work for two or three waiters. You bring the bread, you fill the water glasses, you clear the table. So you're kind of like their bitch mm -hmm. while you're learning and studying because you have to learn all about the wines and what liquors they have and what the you know specials are. Like you're in training basically to be a waiter. How long were you a resetter? Um, you're supposed to do it for X amount of time, and I went through it in like half the time because... Of course you did. Yes, and because they also needed people, so they were like, all right, get your training done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it was, right. was fast-paced, but one of my first days as a resetter, um, I was looking at the schedule to see who my waiters were, and there was a girl's name in one of my stations, um, Sabina, S-A-B-I-N-E, and I was like, Sabina. Oh, there's That's an e a at the end? I thought there was an A. No. Come on now. Oh. Yeah. So oh. I had not met her yet. Um, she had been gone all summer long on a vacation. Um, and Very so. Nice. Where was the vacation? I believe it was Grand Canyon. She was like, you know, she's a little hippie chick. Yeah. She was like hiking and camping all over the place. Oh, cool. And so I hadn't met her yet. And so here comes this skinny, loud mouth <laughs> chick. Walking up to me, and Red I was head, like, right? uh, reddish at the time. Okay. Um, and I was like, you must be Sabina. Hi, I'm Chastity. I'm your resetter. And she was like, Chastity? What the hell kind of name is Chastity? And I said, what the fuck kind of name is Sabina? And she was like, ooh, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> 
instant chemistry. I was like, yes, my people. And to this day, we are still extremely close friends. Like, you know, she was the maid of honor at our oh, wedding. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and yeah, we, we attended have, her wedding. Yeah, we No, we didn't actually get to her. Oh, we went shit. to Jacqueline's. Sorry. No, we Jacqueline. couldn't go to Sabina's because it was, yeah, we couldn't afford to go to Sabina's. <laughs> but we've been friends ever since. So she taught me so much there. And I, I just learned so much at that restaurant. Um, the guy I started dating after I split up for my first husband, um, who was younger than me, but he taught me so much about wine and food and um, it was just incredible. All the people there were so helpful in helping me move forward in this new phase of my life. Um, mm -hmm. And I, that's when I tried sushi for the first time, and I had Vietnamese food for the first time, and I had Filipino food, and I learned what Steak Diane was, and, you know, all of these, like, Bernays sauce. I and, still don't you know. know what Steak Diane is. <laughs> I'll fill you in later. You, you just um, said something new that I've never heard before oh, in my okay. life. I will fill you in later. All right. So, and I learned about wine, and we had mm -hmm. some amazing people there who knew so much about wine. And I didn't even drink wine until I started working at Tobacco Company. And as I sit here now with a giant glass of wine in my <laughs> hands. So it was really um, so educational for me on every level. And I, you know. I loved my time there. I really did. And the owner is a total ass um, and was just <laughs> a horrid person. But the people who worked there yeah. were so amazing. That's generally how it works, right? You know, I mean, I guess in restaurants, I mean, the owners can sometimes be really. Well, I mean, that can be the case of any oh job. sure, any but job. But this guy was. Or the oh. bosses. It, it's always like. The employees against the boss or the managers. Yeah, it could be. And I feel like here um, we were super close with the managers. Our managers were great. They were all people who had been waiters there and then mm -hmm. moved up to managers. So they knew what it was like. Yeah. And there were so many. I mean, there was like 10 different managers. That's crazy. I mean, that place is huge, yeah. you know. It's just amazing to think of a small business like that as like to have that level of like growth. Within, oh, yeah, well, know? and like I said, it's a Richmond landmark. It's mm -hmm. been around for so very long. I have never eaten there. <laughs> dined, I should say. I've yes. never dined there. Right. We did, what was the party we went to that downstairs that one time? In the club? In the club. I don't remember whose party that I was. It was like a wedding reception or something. Oh, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, and I worked at the club briefly. I, I was the the door girl i was a bouncer in the <laughs> club sometimes um you know i i worked the the cool another cool thing about tobacco company is when you're training they make you work every station in the kitchen oh. before you can be a waiter wow yeah, i mean i don't know if they still do but they did at the time so i had to work the dessert station the salad station the you know the fry cook like i had to do all that stuff behind the line which was terrifying for me. As much as I love to cook and bake, I do not want to be behind the line in a restaurant. That is not where I belong. Well, I need to be hustling out on the floor. Yeah, I I imagine in, in, in other jobs that I've had where we've been, I would say, I wouldn't say forced, but re required to work the other uh, uh, job jobs within yeah. that one position or one uh, work area. 
you know what I'm trying to say. I do, I do, because um, that way you appreciate you do. the people you're working with. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, not just the people, but you, you're like, okay, so I can't demand but so much of the staff. Yeah, because you see what it's like. I mean, I had to expo, and that was absolutely terrifying for me, trying to call out orders. I'm like, this is yeah. such a hard job. Like, kitchen staff gets shit on way too much in restaurants. Oh, yeah. They do not get the respect that they deserve. It is such a hard job, and mm-hmm. when a crew is on, they are on fire, and that I mean, that's the heart and soul of the restaurant, obviously, is the people preparing the food, but it's it's how they work together, and it's really cool and beautiful to watch when that, like, all melds together. It's really impressive. It and is. I did not belong back there. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it for, for multiple reasons. Um so I think, so my father passed away when I was 17, and I was still, like, way deep into working at Tanglewood. And I remember the day that I found out my father passed away, like, I went to work. I went to school. I went to work uh, because it, it was required. It was needed. But also, I kind of needed it in a way. Yes. So the, 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 intense, the intensity of a, of a, of a kitchen um, – is is something that you can throw your all into. Yeah, definitely. And you totally can get forget you get lost in it about everything else except what's right in front of you because what's mm-hmm. right in front of you is a problem that needs to be solved. Yes. And you're the one to solve that problem. Yes. It's and a series of problems that right. need to be solved. Like as soon as you solve that one, there's another one. Yep. I mean, managing a full station, especially at a place like Tobacco Company, you know, there's so many moving parts to mm-hmm. that because, oh, you want the table side Caesar salad? Okay, I have to get all the accoutrement to make that table side. Meanwhile, table 47 over there needs their plates cleared, and this, you know, uh, new young couple is out on their starry-eyed date night, and they need to be wowed by me and, like, impressed. And, yeah. um, you know, there's just – there's so many moving parts yeah. to that kind of job. It, it is It is remarkable. Um, and was was uh, uh, mana to my soul uh, in in the total chaos that was my um, my heart and my mind. Yeah. At the time. I mean, after losing your dad, yeah. like, yeah, it, it was, was it was pretty intense. Absolutely. So my my uh, restaurant work life ended at Tanglewood. So I was at. Uh, chick-fil-a and i think i got fired because I, I think that was the weekend that my drive shaft went out in my car and I'm sure it was car related something whatever. car related <laughs> yeah i had a transmission go out in one job and i got fired for that and I, or the boss didn't believe me and then i had a drive shaft go out after a road trip and you know i i get shit fixed fast so you know i put a transmission in in like 16 hours i put a drive shaft in within a few hours it was one of those things that like i i had to be able to go so i was i had to fix my car my car was the only way but after that i think i went back to tanglewood and uh and that's where i my my whole job work working in uh the restaurant ends right like i and then of course from there uh you know, fast forward several years, and I meet you. Yes. Um, we're skipping over a whole bunch of stuff here, but we are. But, but my next, my next, like you know, we would, uh, we would dine at like uh, little diners in town called Village Cafe, and have their fried mushrooms, and and <laughs> all the, the the punk kids would would go there before or after shows, and 
and stuff our faces with um, uh, coffee, chocolate coffee milkshakes, <laughs> where they would grind up the coffee beans and like put them in the oh chocolate milkshakes. They were so yeah. good. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed the village and, and kind of how that was. And then, of course, there's Third Street. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Third Street and Fourth Street. Well, and Richmond is such a, a music scene, too. And mm-hmm. you were so into the music scene that obviously those, I think those two things overlap so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, we know that they overlap so much, but they really do in Richmond. And while you were doing all of that stuff and I was recovering from my <laughs> divorce and starting to date people and, you know, was involved in this restaurant industry all of my friends were in the restaurant industry too so even when I wasn't working at tobacco company anymore all of my friends were working at restaurants so my hangout time my going out time was still in restaurants like sitting at restaurant bars uh Europa was which is now closed but was downtown and I had so many friends that were working at that restaurant that I would just go and hang out at the bar like all night long and <laughs> I mean hours. Yeah. And so my whole social scene, even though I wasn't waiting tables anymore, still revolved around restaurant. My roommate was working in a restaurant. My boyfriend was working in a restaurant. Jason Alley, my dear, our dear, yeah. sweet, wonderful friend, amazing restaurateur. That's where I met him was at Europa. He was working in the kitchen for Michelle Williams at Europa. And, you know, he convinced me to eat beak cheeks for the first time (laughs) and I was like what the fuck am I eating um and yeah thank you for that Jason amazing but that was the biggest part of my social circle was still in restaurants you know I was at restaurants after hours after they closed hanging out with the kitchen staff and it's just what we did yeah so then when you and I meet right I I think the next bump up for me was Edo's with uh uh young lady I was dating mm-hmm. and I I remember very little about that experience but you and I start dating and you I, I stumbled into comfort I don't know if it was <laughs> comfort that I um I because Jason was my neighbor right. and I knew about comfort yeah. or if the first time I walked into comfort was tailing you and trying to hit on you. I don't think that was your first time because they knew who you were. Because I lived next door to Jason. Yeah, but that doesn't mean the rest of the staff there. So when Russell and I met, which is a different episode of this podcast. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, I was going to Comfort that night mm-hmm. to hang out. So Jason, after he left Europa, um, he opened up Comfort Restaurant, which was just one of my most favorite places I've ever yeah. spent time um, and he opened comfort and I was fortunate enough to be really good friends with him and be there for both nights of their soft opening and you know <laughs> be I was babysitting his kids and like we were super involved in his life and so comfort was my home away from home I was there all the fucking time yeah. and when my girl Amy and I were gonna go out there and go to comfort and hang at the bar and have drinks for the evening this dude, Russell over here, um, decided <laughs> to follow us, and I don't want to give too much away, but we walk in the door at Comfort, and I'm like, I don't want you coming in with me. These are like my people. <laughs> it's like, oh, I know Jason. He's right. my neighbor. And I was like, fuck, 
okay, fine. Yeah. So we walk in, and I swear it was like the needle on the record stopped. Yeah. Because the whole kitchen staff turned and looked at us walking in together. Yeah, like we're giving too much time. away for our, our uh, <laughs> How right, We I'll Met stop. podcast. But Comfort was the first place that Russell and I ever actually hung out and yeah. talked. And, you know, we have spent so many, many, many nights there. In fact, when we renewed our vows at our five-year wedding anniversary, it was at Comfort Restaurant. Yeah. Jason catered it, and we hung out there, and we, you know, we celebrated – so many milestones right. of our life at that restaurant. I think we chose to have children at, at dinner comfort. at Comfort. We absolutely did. did. We had the conversation. We, we said, why wait? Let's do it. And we chose yet again to have another child there at Comfort Yes, we did. as well. Yes. So, so it's very interesting. I never yeah. really thought much about yeah. that. It's, it's always going to be a super yeah. special Love it. place to us. So... I think that while we were dating, you know, clearly while we were dating, you started to introduce me to more nicer food. Right. Right. So <laughs> not just the village. No offense, I village, but but you know, love the village. A bit more upscale. Love uh, um, uh, gas station fried chicken livers. <laughs> um, you know, that's all you, babe. I'm. Uh, at that point in my life, I was a very, like, food is fuel type thing. And uh, clearly, I liked food. It was yummy. It was delicious. But uh, it wasn't something that I thought much about. Well, it wasn't an experience. No, and it I wasn't. I think that is where, when you and I both realized how much we truly loved food, is when we started having food experiences. That's know? right. But our first, my first food experience was at Dogwood. Oh, Dogwood. And Chef Tuso. Chef David Shannon. David. Love you. Love you so much. And Noah was the pastry chef, if I'm not mistaken. Was he pastry chef? I think he was pastry chef. I don't know. He was in the kitchen, and whatever, like everything that came out of that kitchen was fucking amazing. So whatever Noah did was spot on. And, of course, my, like, blue-collar ass, like, punk <laughs> ass, walks into, like, like uh, Dogwood, and it's a nice restaurant. Oh, yeah. It's not like, you know... Uh, it's not as like it's outwardly not, nice well, as like not tobacco company. Yeah, it's not hoity-toity. It's not pretentious, or what? Well, it's not functioning any longer. No longer open, but it was not pretentious. It was not fancy looking, but the food was just mind blowing, top notch, yeah. mm -hmm. so fucking good. So I'm like, hey, I know Noah. I'm like, hey, hey, Noah, and he'd poke <laughs> his head out the kitchen. Remember that he would send us something, you know, and. At, at this age now, I'm like mortified that I would do that. <laughs> but I like, guess that's what hey, you I do when you're in your early 20s, <laughs> you know, or mid-20s at that point. Mid-20s, dear. But that um, was my first experience, like having foie gras. Right. And right. having, oh, and that Whoa. was a game changer for Crab you. cakes for the first time there. Yep. Um, well, and because it was a nice restaurant, we couldn't afford to eat very no. much there, you know. So <laughs> when we were dating this would be the place that we would like okay we really want to go to dogwood because it's so amazing we really want to go okay how much money do you have not much all right how much money do you have not much okay but together <laughs> so we would go and sit at the bar mm -hmm. it was um, a tiny little it was bar tiny too. and the front of the house manager roger was the most precious wonderful amazing front of the house manager ever i just we adored him um he would always just welcome us with open arms and just 
he's so loving and friendly and just fun and he just made that place magical and so we would sit at the bar and split an appetizer and Mm -hmm. each get a drink (laughs) we were like well we got enough to do eat this food and leave a good tip (laughs) that's what we can afford most times somebody would send something out to us so we we didn't pity (laughs) they really (laughs) because we were so broke my gosh but but it was worth it and we were like i don't give a fuck if we're spending everything but the last four cents Mm -hmm. in our checking account yeah we're doing this because we had such a good time and It it was the whole experience it really was we had our uh wedding dinner there we did so was incredible it was so we went from dining at dogwood which is uh, still one of my most favorite memories ever when it comes to food absolutely to um you and i were well out of like working in restaurants at that Mm -hmm. point well out of it Mm -hmm. and and clearly i was out of it for a very long time and and you were by many years i had been yeah um and we uh, we're big foodies. We watched a lot of Food Network, mm-hmm. and so our, you know, we went over to we went up to uh, Philadelphia, and had I think we talked about this already yeah, once uh, Morimoto. our Morimoto experience, <laughs> um, and and Morimoto was like our like first celebrity chef food dining experience. It was um, Morimoto, yeah. and so we started keeping a list of like, yeah. okay, what chefs who we've seen, do we want to visit? Whose food do we want to eat? Yeah. So this kind of started, that Morimoto trip really started our whole traveling for food thing. Because now when we plan vacations, we literally plan our vacations around what places we what places we want to go to mm-hmm. eat. What cities do we want to eat in? Yeah. And Morimoto and Philadelphia started that. We were like, it was like this light bulb, like, oh, well, if we want to eat this food, then we just go to their restaurant. We just <laughs> right. travel there and eat their food. Well, and, and I lived in New York for a year, mm-hmm. and uh, you would come up and visit with me. Yes. And you took me the first time. I, I lived there for months and months and had visited for years prior and never once went to um, Times Square. Right. I made him go. You took me to, was it Dow? Well, Dow wasn't in Times Square, but we went to Times Square, and we also went to eat at Dow, which was not not in, far from Times not Square. In Times Square. And we went to Ruby Foods. Was oh, the that's other. it. Ruby Foods yeah, was Ruby in Times Foods Square. Was pretty close to Times mm-hmm. Square, and at the time, that was fancy for us it because was. Um, I had been there once before at a New York trip with some friends, and it was just wonderful. Like you know amazing Asian food, but it was very kitschy and, you know, very yeah. corporate kind of place, but still amazing service mm-hmm. and yeah. amazing food. And so, yeah, then we started, like, keeping this list of, like, we want to eat Alex Bornicelli's food. So we went to Butter, and we've yeah. eaten Butter three times. We've taken the we, kids we to have. Butter now. <coughs> and, um, Definitely in one of in my, in my top ten. That place is so bef- good. Before it was um, – <laughs> Uh, before it was even in, in thinkable budget world, we went to um, La Bernadine. Okay, yes. This was our this was our big splurge. That was a huge splurge. I was still fully employed at that time. Yes, and this was a really big deal. Um, and definitely the 
fanciest place either of us had ever been. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, just the level of service was so beyond anything. I mean, we'd always, we've been to plenty of places with amazing service. But this, La Bernadette, Eric Repair, um, just a whole different level of, yeah. wow. Um, you know, we got the tasting menu, and I was mm-hmm. kind of terrified because I was like, this is so expensive. I can't believe we're doing this. But it was for an anniversary. But I'm also an enabler. You are totally and an I'm enabler, like, and you're like, fuck, fuck it. it. It's let's just money. It. Let's do it, which is not an attitude I ever had before. And, and that sounds real <laughs> shitty because it's money not. does not come easy. We really have to work hard for it. But you know, but we also deserve to do fun things. And we, yeah. we saved up for this. We it did. wasn't like we went we into did. debt for it, but mm-hmm. we planned for this. And this mm-hmm. was something months, we had to plan for months to make this happen. We, the, the to make reservations. Oh my god! You and I, do you remember this? I remember clearly. You and I were calling the minute they opened for reservations. Yes. So sometimes for places like this, they you know they open up reservations. Let's say eight weeks in advance, twelve weeks in advance, whatever. And with a place like this, the second that those reservations open for the day that you want, you better be on the phone. And this was yeah. you couldn't do it online. You had to call. Mm-hmm. We had to call. So we were both calling at the same time. Like trying to like like whoever can get through first to book these reservations yeah. and oh my gosh we like barely got we barely in I feel got like in. by the skin of our teeth yeah. but we did and it was like we were over the moon beyond giddy it was amazing it was well it was like a thirteen course tasting menu and they have a wine pairing so you can choose the wine pairing mm-hmm. and you get most places where you go and you get a wine pairing with your meal it's like maybe a, a, a smaller pour than like not your typical five to eight <laughs> ounce glass of wine. Right. Oh no, 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 ladies and gentlemen, Eric Repair does not fuck around. We go to Liberta Den and it's a thirteen course menu and Russell was not drinking. Um and I did the wine pairing because why not? I want the wine that is going to taste the best with this food. Mm-hmm. And at this point in my life I love wine. And when I tell you that they brought a full glass of wine with every course, I am not exaggerating. I had 13 glasses of wine that evening. That's a lot of wine. That is a lot you were of drunk. wine. I was so drunk, but it was also over many hours. Yeah, it was like four hours there. Yeah, we were there for, yeah, like four hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was tremendous and absolutely amazing, and it was just it was unreal. The pictures show up in our Facebook memories now, and I'm like, holy crap, that was just unbelievable. It was good. And worth every fucking penny. Worth every penny. <laughs> so a uh, few years later, uh, we're skipping over some 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 stuff here. Yeah, let's just say in the, in the interim, we have had lots of amazing meals at lots of places fine dining all the way down to hole in the wall joints like oh, yeah. i am not opposed to a hole in the wall joint if the food is good the food is good yep it's I just a different experience a couple weeks ago i had gas station fried chicken livers <laughs> he has not stopped talking and about them. i gotta tell you he loves them i love them but here's the thing about gas station fried chicken livers they all taste the same and they are all incredible well it's a chicken liver 
I mean, they're all gonna taste mm. the same. It's fried. It's the right amount of spice, and yeah. maybe they're all buying it from the same place. And wow, it's a thing. Whatever, and it's such a southern thing too. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. So we so have. We, we have a friend. Noah, we've mentioned him once before. Remember the guy that worked at Chick-fil-A with Russell back in the day? And then we found him again at Dogwood. And now Noah's a big fucking deal. (laughs) 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 Love you, Noah. (laughs) Yeah, Noah's got this killer restaurant in Chicago called Oriole. And I think that of all of our dining experiences, Oriole is the top and I don't just mean that because I have a a, a uh, personal connection with the chef right I I mean that because no, I mean that sincerely entirely ob- ob- objectively completely objectively the I mean it's phenomenal again we've been to lots of really great restaurants at this point we are fortunate enough all around the world all around the world we are fortunate enough to have dined at Michelin star restaurants mm-hmm. we are fortunate enough to have dined at amazing restaurants in Germany and in Spain and in Mexico. I mean, we've eaten France? all over France. Yes, we've had. I mean, we're so fucking fortunate. We are. I and I appreciate every single bit of it. Um, but that being said, Oriole is my number one. Oriole I mean, is it? It just is. It. I have. You know, we talked earlier about the level of service and how that just really can make or break yeah. a restaurant. And the service at Oriole is just second to none. It's so lovely and inviting and yeah. welcoming and just attentive without being, you know, smarmy feeling. It's Yeah, there's no ass-kissing going on. No, it's, it's just genuine. Like I feel like they're genuinely connecting with their guests, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I I have been motivated by Noah to cook some dishes that he's had on the menu. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. his Japanese milk bread, yes. which yeah. I'm oh happy God. to say <laughs> I make good Japanese milk yes, bread, too. Yes, you do, my love. It's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. But this was a place where, you know, from the moment you walk in the door, you're like, whoa, this is different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're in a freight elevator, and you're greeted by a lovely host or hostess who serves you a gorgeous cocktail to start before you even see the restaurant. Like you're literally in a freight elevator and then they open the doors and it's this gorgeous, clean lines, crisp setting that still feels exposed brick walls, exposed brick wood that just feels very um, unique. And, and since we have dined at Oriole last because we've been several times now. Um, they have upgraded to Oriole 2.0, so they have revamped the space. And I cannot tell you that when I say I am fucking chomping at the bit to get yeah. back to Chicago, I cannot wait. But so I know that the atmosphere is slightly different now. But that same vibe. Oh, it's um, not going anywhere. No, no, no. And it's because they've worked so hard to create yeah. that. And every member of that staff is phenomenal. Every member yes. of that staff. Every single person you interact with, or even that you don't, even that you just see in the kitchen, yeah. is like top notch. And I, I feel like Noah's the kind of guy that puts so much heart and soul into his food, and I know that many and all of our chef friends do. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I'm speaking of Noah directly here. That uh, the way that I'm sure Noah and Kara go about hiring staff is um, 
is they're the kind of staff that like I would want to hang out with afterwards. Oh my gosh, definitely. You know, they're curating yeah. a whole experience. Kind of like La Possum. Yeah. We didn't really talk about La Possum. Uh, we, oh, d- we're not done. Don't oh. you worry. We're getting to <laughs> come on now. David Shannon, please. Um, yeah. So, yes, it's curated. Every single thing about it is curated down to the last detail. And it just works beautifully. And, again, it's not pretentious, but it's just phenomenal. I mean, every yeah. bite of food is like, what <laughs> in the world? Yeah. How did he do this? It's like magical. It is. It's so I, good. I think that that's one of the things that amazes me most and, and allows me to appreciate uh, the dining experiences we get to have is because I have worked in the kitchen yeah. and we do know how to cook, but I don't know that I know how <laughs> no. to do what no. Noah this does. This is like, this is beyond. To do what David Shannon does. Like oh. the, the level of flavor they pack into such an incredible little bite yeah. or wha- whatever it is that they're doing. Well, they have honed their craft over years and years and years. It is constant hard work to stay at that level, and it shows. And you were talking about, you know, there's just a level of passion Mm -hmm. and heart and soul that um, you can't easily replicate. You know, it's just just there, and it's very special, and it's very unique, and I'm so happy that we get to experience that. Yeah, um, we are very, very lucky yes. to be able to experience that. And it is super fun when you do know the chef and his amazing wife, Kara, front of the house manager. Oh, my gosh. Just, I adore that woman. She is freaking amazing. And just, you know, there's it's incomparable yeah. the level of um, graciousness mm-hmm. that she brings to that place. But it's really fun when you know the chef and his wife. Because then, in the middle of this fancy <laughs> meal, where you're surrounded by fancy people eating the fancy food. Wearing boring suits. <laughs> the chef owner comes out of the kitchen and slams two cans of beer down <laughs> on the table. In front of the Much sommelier. Much to the chagrin <laughs> of the sommelier. He's like, um, I have never had beer cans on one of my tables before, <laughs> ever. Poor Aaron. Sorry, Aaron. Um, but Noah was like, look, I know the wine that Aaron has picked out for this is wonderful and fantastic, but I personally think these two beers go really well with it. And every other person <laughs> in that restaurant is looking at us like, what the fuck is those? Is that two cans of beer on the table? <laughs> It was it's so great. Fun. It was super fun. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I got a mm-hmm. big old kick out of that. It was mm-hmm. great. But Yeah. Thank you, Noah. Yes. Thank you. You've given Kara. me many, many uh, wonderful memories. Absolutely. So so Noah worked with David Shannon. Yes. And I know that uh, that's probably, I don't know, and I haven't talked about it, but I know that's probably where a lot of that passion for uh, uh, growing your um a culinary repertoire. Oh yeah. Came well, from? I mean, David. Okay, so here's there's here's the family tree. So Patrick O'Connell, who owns and is the chef at the Inn at Little Washington, which mm-hmm. you may have heard of. If you have not, please go look it up immediately and book a reservation when you can. Um, is Patrick O'Connell um, is like the Mac Daddy, and yeah. then David Shannon worked for Patrick. And then Noah worked for David. And it is quite clear the 
culinary lineage, yes. I will say, yeah. between these three amazing chefs because all three of these chefs, and we have eaten at their restaurants more than once, all mm-hmm. three of them, the level of detail, no stone left unturned, every single facet of your experience from the moment you walk in until the moment you leave is intentional. Yes. And is done so, is crafted so beautifully to make sure that you leave there going, oh my gosh, when can we come back? Absolutely. It's, I mean, even down to, you know, all the paintings and plate commemorative and collective plates that David Shannon has on the wall at Opossum (laughs) to the uh, Jesus and dinosaur terrarium in the bathroom to the weird stuffed monkeys in the lounge at the Inlet Little Washington. Or the, the, the moo cow cheese cart. Yes. Um, all of these things, which sound so crazy and kitschy, they are, but they work. And yeah. that's what makes it not your run-of-the-mill, boring, stuffy restaurant. This is like Michelin star food. It's mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. But you don't feel like I'm not good enough to be here. Or right. Like, you know, it doesn't You still feel, feel welcome. Yes. And, and appreciated. Right. Ap- appreciated. That, and I think that that's an important word to apply to this because I think a lot of people, we've talked to a lot of people about um, our dining experiences. And I know a lot of people will judge us and have judged us and continue to judge us based on like, oh, I can't go there. It's too expensive. Yeah, definitely. So then what do you spend your money on? Right. Like this is what just kind of stuff well, are you and buying? Again, that's not for us to judge, just well, like it's not for anyone else to judge. No, but that's but we what do I, get judgment for We it. do. We do. And, and, and I have to remind people that, well, what are your hobbies? Mm-hmm. Well, I see a boat in your driveway, or right. I see, you know, a, a, a you know, big old uh, – uh, bar that you've built in your your house, whatever it is right. that you spend your money on for your enjoyment, mm-hmm. this is our enjoyment. Right, absolutely. This is what we and I am happy for that because here we are years later talking about meals that we ate. Mm-hmm. You know, vividly remembering experiences and not just the experience, but how we felt. Yeah, and how we connected over those experiences, and you know the care that was put into those experiences carries on with us forever. These are memories that we're going to have forever. And I'm so, so happy that we're able to do that and that we have passed that on to our kids because our kids are total little foodies. And I don't mean (laughs) like they will only eat fancy food. I mean, they, when I say foodie, and that is kind of a loaded word and I wish there was a better one for it. Maybe I'll try to think of a better one, but when I say someone is a foodie, I mean they appreciate the experience. Yes. I mean they appreciate everything that goes into that food. And our kids don't eat like typical kids, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. There are definitely some I just want pizza moments, and that's absolutely fine. But they appreciate and understand the work that goes into the food, you know, because we talk about our chef friends all the time. We yeah. talk about these experiences, and they have eaten at restaurants around the world at this point and they really do appreciate it and get excited about it and I think that's just fostering a sense of adventure and a sense of understanding and acceptance and um, exploration that is not just about food but it's about culture and people and I think that's really invaluable. It's important and I think that uh, even 
you know, take, 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 take the, the nice restaurants out of the equation. Um, our kids will still, would still have had the, the type of food experiences that they would appreciate, you know. So, like, just because it's a nice restaurant or it's an expensive meal does not mean that, um, that there are, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know, you don't, you know what I'm saying? Well, because it's not always about the food. It's not always about the food and it's not always about the price of the food. No, definitely not. I mean, hello, Palm Frites in New York oh is one of our most favorite places ever to eat. And that's just French fries. Yeah. But again, it's the experience and mm-hmm. it's the level of care that goes into that. And, um, you know, people, I definitely have had people be like, oh, it must be nice to go to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, it is. And right. I'm a, grateful for the opportunity to do so. But again, that is something that we um, we place value on and we place a priority on. Right. It's just what we have chosen to spend our money on. And I don't feel guilty about that or right. regretful over it because again it's not a it's not a judgment thing i no. am fully appreciative i mean it, it wasn't all that long ago that we were splitting an appetizer and two drinks at a bar so right. just to fa- have that experience right just to have that so the fact that we are as fortunate as we are now is like i want to celebrate that it's fun it is fun it's so it's fun we are we are very lucky but I also circle back around to what do you spend your money on? And there are oh, people sure. that don't spend their money on anything right. and plan to retire early. And Good that's for you. fine. Awesome. Um, and then there are those who spend their money on travel or f- fishing gear or. Or shoes or shopping or electronics. Whatever it is. Whatever. Man, more power sure. talking to you. That's your Get hobby. This is our hobby. It and is. we really enjoy it. We do. I feel like we're justifying it now. Um, a little bit, yeah. yeah, a little bit, but, um, yeah, so we should stop that, because we don't need to justify. We don't need to. We've explained. Okay, yeah, yeah we're done justifying. There it is. Um, don't done. at me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and now we are planning our next several trips, and we are deep in the planning phases for, um, a trip that Russell and I are taking at the end of the year. We are headed to London for the yeah. first time. And we've been getting awesome uh, tips and suggestions from friends who have already traveled there. Um, this is kind of a fluke that we were able to make this one happen in the way yeah. that we did. So Thanks, Scott's Cheap Flights. Yes, they are not so a sponsor of the show. <laughs> but no, but they might have thank to Thank you, Dave Poisno, for turning me on to them. Yes, absolutely. Um, so through that little windfall, um, and because last year for COVID, we canceled everything. So many trips that we had planned, um, we were able to make this one happen and it will just be the two of us without the kids and mm-hmm. they are real pissed about it um but so we're deep in the planning planning phases of that now and that think we're going to do a podcast while we're there yeah um so that should be fun that'll be neat it will be but yeah we have we've we've done the gamut we've been behind the scenes we've been in the kitchen we've been on the floor i've waited on shitty fucking customers mm-hmm. more times than i care to count i have been hit on and groped and leered at and treated like crap because i was a waitress and you know managed all kinds of things um 
doing that job and I've seen how hard the folks in the kitchen work and I just really fucking appreciate it. Um, the food industry and what it <clears throat> does for people and what it does for this country and how the industry just connects people in so many different ways. Yeah, it's fun. It really does connect us and food is fun and it's <laughs> it is. food is fun i it, like food it gives you something to talk about you well, know it does it gives us um you know things to share and right. i think that is a commonality among all people is sharing things over breaking bread yeah. like even in its most basic form um that's the story of so many people's cultures mm -hmm. revolves around food. If you really want to get to know a culture, you get to know the food of that culture. It tells right. you so much about a people in general. So, It's a language of love. Oh, my gosh. When I make is. tamales yes. or when I make pizzas for mm -hmm. friends or, or what's Japanese the other thing that bread. I do? Oh, croissants. Croissants. You're way overdue those on those, buddy. But, but uh, you know, when, when – when our when our chefs that we really admire and love are are putting out some killer food, we know that their passion is in it. We know their yeah. heart is in you it. You can taste it. I know you that sounds cliched, but you can. And there's just something remarkable about it. And so when we get to go out to these places, we get to experience a little bit of what they are feeling. Yes, agreed. And you and I both know and agree that um, – there is nothing like making something for someone and yeah. sharing it with them and seeing them be happy with what you've made for them and seeing yes. them enjoy it. I love that feeling so much. It's why I bake. It's yeah. why I do that. It's why I have that side hustle because I enjoy the process of it, but I really, really enjoy making people happy when they eat something that I have created. Yeah. That's an awesome feeling. Yeah. And there's uh, there's been a couple of times where people have eaten some of my food and they're like, mm, and I'm like, yeah, well, you're wrong. Because <laughs> my feelings <laughs> get hurt a little bit. You know, because you got big feelings. I yeah. got big feelings. Uh -huh. So <laughs> no, I get so it. So that's that's our that's our episode. That's I think. it. You know, there's lots more to talk about for sure. And I think we're going to have an episode about um, food. Uh, I don't know what I said, but like. <laughs> Our, our piv pivotal food moments. Yes, and food memories. Food memories. Mm -hmm. um, and I really want to have Noah in on this conversation because I I respect and value his mm -hmm. opinions, mm -hmm. and I love talking to Noah. Um, so we, we'll have Noah in on this one. Um, but next week's episode will be about Star Trek. Yes, and a total about face. Yes. <laughs> We're going from – Fancy food to Star Trek. Yes. But. It'll be an interesting conversation because we've be got a newbie in it. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And a veter several veterans, I should say. Yes. So this will be our first four-person podcast. Yes, that's going to be fun. So, again, my job will be moderator because I'm, I'm going to okay have to that. keep you guys in line. Um, yeah. So thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this. And um, stay tuned for next week. Bye. Bye.